Hey there, this is Josh Heath of the NCAST. Today I'm going to be talking about Trinity Continuum Core. And it's been mm, months and months and months since we've done one of these, but today I thought it would be good to jump in and talk about one of the newest books that is out for the Trinity Continuum. The Trinity Continuum, again, being a series of books over various timelines. And the last time I did one of these, the aberrant Kickstarter was going on. And there's no Kickstarter going on right now. I'm just excited still to talk about these books. This is one of my favorite series of books. And uh, this second edition is Hands and Feet Above the first edition. And the first editions are hands down my favorite RPG books of all time and the second edition takes those to the next level and it really um, is something that I am excited to talk about. Uh, I really really enjoy uh, the Trinity Continuum core books. I really enjoy the direction that Trinity Aberrant is going in its second edition. I really enjoy the direction that Trinity Continuum Aeon has gone in its second edition. Uh, I enjoy this so much I've started producing things for the story path nexus for the trinity continuum i've done that for scion as well and i'm excited about the scion stuff i'm excited about scion as a concept in the books but uh, the trinity continuum just brings me so much joy that i wanted to try and bring that joy to you to the listeners of the normally werewolf the podcast podcast but today the Ncast podcast so Last time I did one of these, I got some feedback from the wonderful Ian A.A. Watson. Um, I'm pretty sure the A stands for awesome and adventurous, but I could be wrong. Um, Ian, thank you very much for the corrections. They were very helpful. I am known, as much as I love these games, for sometimes being one of those types of people that learns a thing as one specific way and doesn't realize that... I'm wrong necessarily, but I'm happy to be corrected and happy to be put on the straight and narrow, as it were. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about Divismal, and I'm talking about Dr. Primoris. These two figures, both the same figure, are figures that I talked about in the last couple of NCAST episodes, but I did not have their names correct. I learned Divis, as in Diva with an A, uh, as the name for Divismal, uh, and was the name that I went with. Even reading it, could not wrap my eyes around the fact that there was an I in that second um, vowel, but um, certainly not a problem. Now that I know, it's Divis, and I will do my absolute best to pronounce it correctly as well. But I'm I'm going to admit there may be times where we'll slip back and be like, hey, the way that I learned and read this, I don't know how, but read this for decades is going to stick uh, in my head and come back and leap back out at us. But for now, let's dive in and talk about Trinity Continuum Core. Um, in the new Trinity Continuum system, there is a core book that is our modern day. It's Imagine TV shows or games that are set five minutes in the future. They are just slightly more advanced technologically. 
but not really. Uh, these are all technologies that you would see in the game that you would probably see in real life. Uh, the types of stories that you would see would be stories you could imagine happening in a world where things are slightly more uh, adventurous, I guess you could put it. So the types of inspirations that um, influence this particular book, this core book, are things like Arrow or Leverage or Ocean's Eleven. They are heist stories. They are adventure stories. They are stories about people that are just a little bit more lucky and capable and uh, strong or um, lucky really is the best word to describe their skill set. They are better than average people but not because they are superhuman necessarily. They're just really really good at things. Maybe they've trained really really hard. They're Batman-esque but even Batman gets to the degree that is slightly outside the capabilities of the Trinity con Continuum core character set. Like he's just slightly uh, more powerful than some of the um, talents, which is the group of people that you would play in a Trinity Continuum core game. So you are one of these people in this ostensibly very close to our real world reality that has the ability to tap into something called flux. And flux is a force that is related to the alternate universes around the Trinity Continuum universe, universes, because the continuum, the timeline between adventure, aberrant, and aeon, and now this core setting, are all connected, but they are not set in stone. You can play an adventure game and change all of the canon for Aeon in the future in your game. That's totally acceptable. It's uh, kind of expected for you to do that. All the games are connected to one another, but not necessarily in stone. They are connected along a time-space continuum. The term continuum is really used intentionally, where things will be slightly different. Things will be f fixed in that time frame but not necessarily fixed outside of it in one of the other elements of the continuum, which I think from a allowing players to feel like they are free to do what they want standpoint is fantastic. One of the dangers of White Wolf's games in the past was too much metaplot, and you'd feel kind of run over by the metaplot, that you had to do what the metaplot was asking you to do or telling you to do. But in the new Trinity Continuum, uh, the creators at Onyx Path were like, no, you know, we want to remove that barrier and we want you to feel uh, empowered to move the Continuum wherever and however you would like to do that. Um, and I think they've done so in a really, really good way, in a really, really um, effective way. So this book, this new book, has a long history, um, it, and we have Ian Watson to thank um, for it even existing to the degree that it does. His love, power, and energy went into making sure that Rich Thomas never let this game um, sit to the sidelines and actually encouraged him to purchase the rights to it from the folks at uh, CCP at the time when he decided to start Onyx Path Publishing. So this is one of the first books that was worked on by Onyx Path Publishing, but it took them, for lots of reasons, a little bit of time to get it out. And 
the quality of mechanics and the quality of gameplay and the quality of everything from layout to um, the particular like typeset in this game it's it all comes together in a way uh, to give me again one of my absolute favorite sets of games of all times and one that I've only played a little bit of so far but one that I'm hoping to play more of in the future because it is uh, sublime. I wouldn't say it's perfect. There are no game systems out there that are, in my opinion, perfect. But dang, this gets so super close to being exactly what I need it to be for the games that I would need to play it in. Um, and what do I mean by that? Well, this game system uses the story path system. And the story path system is a new system based on the storyteller system uh, created by White Wolf back in the day. So it's a D10 dice pool system. But unlike the dice pool systems of the old world of darkness where you would have uh, a difficulty that would change, in this version you have a set of successes you need to get and your difficulty stays the same regardless of um, whatever is happening around you. The amount of successes you might need, that can change, and that's up to the story guide to decide where those changes might need to happen. But setting a set difficulty, in this case at an eight for most talents or even regular people, is a great way of... of uh, just kind of saying, hey, I know every time I roll these dice, if I get an 8 or higher, that's a success. Great. It removes a lot of thinking from the system. There's still some other things involved mechanically, but it just makes things a little bit smoother. And the other elements of the system, things like enhancement um, and complication, enhancement being effectively bonuses uh, to your successes. You get uh, effectively free successes or successes you can spend to do stunts and other effects or you get complications which are in a lot of ways either um, d things that take away from the amount of successes you get it's kind of a, a success reducer or they are um, instead of a success reducer you should view them as something you need to purchase off before you can succeed at whatever it is you're trying to succeed. So let me try to give an, an example of that. You might be trying to sh fire a gun, for example, and the base success to shoot the person that you're trying to fire the gun at is a two, you need to get two successes, but they have cover, and that adds a complication of one. So you have to get three successes to shoot them around their cover. So you roll your dice, you have five dice in your dice pool, you get four successes, you buy off the three successes you need to hit them, and then with the fourth success you can invest that into actually um, causing damage or extra damage, or you can invest that extra success into wounding them, or uh, I guess that was just, that's kind of redundant. I'm trying to think of something specific like, oh, they can't run or walk the way they were before. So it changes something about the future scenes that they're going to be interacting with you in once you have done that. Um, so it offers you a lot of 
flexibility and opportunity in this system. It is, again, both similar to the storyteller system and different. Um, unlike the storyteller system, in this system, you start with the idea that your players get to choose their approach, the way they attack a specific scenario or situation or problem that they are faced. And that can be either through a finesse way of doing it, um, a um, aggressive way of doing it, or they can um, be type of person that lets the hits come and uh, attack them. And so they're a bit more um, resilient in, in how they would deal with things. And by allowing players to choose their particular approach, it lets a smart character do things that their smart character would do. It allows a character that is really resilient and um, capable of taking a lot of damage or like being mentally um, tough to get into situations where that is going to come into effect. Same thing with uh, a character that's quick-witted and um, able to think on their feet. They're going to do things that allow them to take advantage of what they are good at more frequently. Much more frequently than saying, hey, um, you're always going to attack with decks and brawl. And if you're not that type of fighter, if instead you're the type of fighter that waits for someone to come to you and hit you a couple of times and then you grab them and throw them to the ground, that's an entirely different situation. Your reaction, the way you go about it, is completely different. And players should be rewarded to playing to their character, to doing what their character would do. And the story path system encourages that. And I think that's my favorite part of the system is that you are rewarded for doing what makes sense for you and not being kind of beholden to a storyteller telling you, nope, the, the book says you must do X, Y, and Z. Instead, you get to say, well, my force is my highest type of attribute or my um, skill aptitude area. I'm going to use might, which is the physical attribute, and I'm going to say that the science role that I have to make to uh, uncover some sort of like technological like thing hidden in the computer, I use my might to break, physically break part of the computer, which makes it backfire and then spit out the right information. It's kind of a loopy, kind of crazy idea that I just put together there for you, but it gives you a general idea of how you can explain away a non-traditional or a more character-appropriate way of succeeding at something. So I think it's awesome. I think this setting with a, a lot of flavor in the modern world is really uh, interesting and well-developed. It's not on its own, though, and that's what I like about it. Like, there are little tiny loops into what will become aberrant in here. There are little hooks that connect into Aeon. There are little hooks that connect back to Adventure. And some of this stuff we're not going to see right away uh, until those books come out, until Adventure comes out. But you can see 
how um, they connect into those games if you are familiar with the meta plot elements and the ideas from them from earlier versions and some of the darkness I would call it has been taken out of the Trinity Continuum it's a little bit lighter it's a little bit more open to hope and that's by design and that sense of hope and joy and chance to make the universe good and to succeed I enjoy that and I really wish that more games actually were willing to lean into that Um, I'm comfortable with games that are dark uh, but darkness for darkness's sake gets boring after a while and this is yes the world can be dark and yes it can be hard but also you are capable of changing it and making it better so go out there and do that so trinity continuum core written by a huge group of wonderful creators uh, including Jacqueline Hart, Rick Jones, Daniel Lazan, Matt Miller, Jack Norris, Craig Oxbrough, Lauren Roy, John Sneed, Monica Specka, Stephen Tasker, Ben Walker, Peter Woodworth, and Tara Zuber. You've all done a fantastic job with this particular book, and it's one that I enjoy the heck out of, um, and I'm really glad and happy that you produced it. So. You can find this on DriveThruRPG. I'm going to be talking about Trinity Continuum Aeon before too long, and I'll probably have a lot more to say about that, but I think you should definitely check out this book, and I think you'll enjoy the heck out of it.